Welcome to the Compliance Plus Ethics Equals Integrity podcast, which features Barry Dunn Healthcare Practice Group professionals and expert guests discussing their insights into contemporary as well as perennial healthcare regulatory, revenue integrity, general compliance, and risk management topics. My name is Robin Hoffman. I'm a Senior Compliance and Credentialing Manager in Barry Dunn's Healthcare Practice Group. I am very pleased to be joined for this episode by two colleagues from Barry Dunn, Senior Manager Danny Roberge and Manager Roger Rigo. The title for our podcast is Implications for Revenue Cycle Operations as the COVID-19 Public Health Emergency Has Ended. Before we get into our discussion, a quick disclaimer. The content we discuss in this podcast is based on our professional experience advising healthcare providers, facilities, and other organizations that engage Barry Dunn for compliance and other services. While we may reference specific government programs, Medicare and Medicaid policies, and regulatory guidance, we do not speak for any government agency or contractor, nor do we have the authority to do so. Nothing in this podcast should be considered legal advice. Anyone seeking legal advice on the subjects we discuss should consult their own attorney. So now it's my distinct pleasure to introduce my colleagues. I'll start with Danny Roberge, who is a recognized subject matter expert on revenue cycle and patient access transformation, revenue integrity program management, and back-end revenue cycle redesign. Danny, you've been called upon to share your revenue cycle expertise with various chapters of the Healthcare Financial Management Association and also with the Mid-Atlantic region of the National Association of Healthcare Revenue Integrity. I have to say, I just loved the title of your presentation to the NAHRI, which was the Kinetic Revenue Cycle. We are incredibly fortunate to have you join us today, Denny. Can you please share some additional highlights about the types of services that you offer here at Barry Dunn? Sure, Robin, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. Uh, so here at Barry Dunn, we work on a lot of great projects and working with our clients and optimizing all parts of their revenue cycle, uh, focusing on you know the, the three legs that really make a difference when you're looking to optimize, right? People process and technology. So we help implement, you know, new EHRs, new clearinghouses, new patient access tools, you know, such as authorization management tools, registration quality. But our focus is always on how do the people and processes come together to create a best practice revenue cycle. And with today's challenges, which is no shortage of all three of those components have to be working together to, to really drive those success and those metrics um, where we need them to be. Thank you so much. And now it's my pleasure to also introduce my colleague, Roger Rigo. Roger, you bring Barry Dunn over 30 years of experience from the not-for-profit healthcare sector. You've worked as a chief financial officer in a federally qualified health center. You've worked in hospital settings. And in addition, you've actually worked for Medicare and for TRICARE. We are thrilled to have you join us in today's podcast. 
Could you let our listeners hear a little bit more about the types of services that you offer to Barry Dunn's clients, Roger? Yes. Hi, Robin. Thank you for the introduction, and it's great being here today. Uh, some of the things that I work on specifically is in interim management, where we go in and help organizations and fill the gaps that they have while they're trying to recruit different management positions. We also do a lot of the things like what Denny was saying, but even getting into more granular looks, we you know break down into our denials and try to help you identify you know the denial issues, where it's coming from. Same thing with front end and middle coding. Just taking a look at all those areas and trying to optimize and try to uh, come up with a good product for uh, our clients. Thanks so much. As we were preparing for today's podcast, Denny, I saw you were the author of what was a really wonderful article for Barry Dunn, which was published back on March 12th, 2020. And the title of that article was Preparing Your Revenue Cycle for the Pandemic, COVID-19. Can you believe here we are, now the pandemic has finally ended. With the end of the public health emergency and the unwinding of Medicaid continuous eligibility, can you give our listeners some examples of the impacts on what we at Barry Dunn refer to as the, air quotes, schedistration segments of revenue cycle? I just love that term schedistration. Oh. Can you describe that one to our listeners, please? I can. I say it's hard to believe that, you know, the pandemic is over and that it was, you know, only 2020 when it began. Uh, certainly a lot has changed in terms of, you know, the healthcare landscape uh, from the payer side, provider side, um, you know, all throughout it. Uh, you know, like I said, it's been a really challenging time, but when, we co when it comes back down to it, right, when we think about our, our revenue cycle and the challenges that we had pre, post, and during the pandemic, you know, we've always had the issues um, in, in, and continue to have the issues around making sure that we're getting the right demographic and insurance information so that we can bill correctly, eliminate denials, eliminate patient frustration from getting bills that they don't deserve. And when you talk about schedulation, that's really combining of two processes that are often disjointed, right? The scheduling event and the registration event. And, you know, there's plenty of different ways you can structure a revenue cycle, um, an intake area. But ideally, you really can't start a good financial clearance process um, unless you have the basic information you need. And the best time to do that is when you have the patient, you know, in need of a service and on the phone, it's just a scheduling event, right? So when we talk about schedule stration and those type of things, it's really combining that schedule event or the earliest event possible in your revenue cycle to start getting the information you need to start processing that patient. And by processing, I mean verifying that, in fact, the information they gave you from the insurance company is correct. Um, from there, you know, if there is a patient balance, making sure that they're aware of it, having those discussions, if they qualify for charity care or other programs, assisting them in finding that. Um, if the service requires an authorization, I mean, that's really the stuff, right? The time to do it is as soon as you can start really working on that that patient, which is the, the scheduling event most most of the time. Um, and again, sometimes even at an ordering event, you can start the same process. But to your point, you know, now that we're in this post-pandemic, uh, you know, era where we've got a new challenge, right? The, the Medicaid eligibility uh, criteria are rolled back now. So it comes back to you're not going to get paid if you build the wrong insurance. 
And if a patient doesn't have the means to pay, you're also not going to get paid. So really looking forward or backwards, I should say, in the revenue cycle continuum to really make sure you understand that patient's financial obligations, what they have for insurance. If they just you know lost their Medicaid, well, what is available to them? And if the only thing that's available to them is charity care, enroll them in the charity care programs. That's what they're there for, right? Or in the FQAC space, the sliding fee schedules, that's what's best for the patient. And it's also what's best for your revenue cycle. So you're not spending time and effort trying to find dollars that, that aren't there, right? And so, again, this is where getting it right up front really makes a difference. And so schedule stration, you know, order stration, whatever you want to call it, as soon as you can start getting that information and clearing that patient, it's essential. And like I said, right now, we've got that new challenge um, because a lot of insurances are changing to a very vulnerable popula- population. So great question, Robin. I appreciate that. Thanks for your your wisdom on that. I really do appreciate it. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to turn to Roger now, who has worked as a CFO in a federally qualified health center. And I'm wondering whether, should there be any changes in the design of a healthcare organization's internal reports due to the unwinding of the Medicaid continuous eligibility you know, I'm I'm just wondering, would there be a need to maybe increase the frequency of generating internal reports um, to identify whether your organization might be heading towards some losses in reimbursement? I, I'd really love to hear your perspectives on this, Roger. Yeah, thank you. Um, I would hope that prior to the pandemic, that organizations were using reports and doing you know, management of their denials or through the revenue cycle. Um, it would be kind of scary if they weren't, and now all of a sudden they're trying to, to figure that out. But, you know, with this ending of the uh, of this emergency and, you know, the Medicaid coming out now, you know, it's even that much more important because we've had the last, you know, two and a half, three years where Medicaid was much more available to people. And now with that rollback a little bit, you know, it's going to really, de- you know, make a demand on the whole revenue cycle. But, you know, especially in the back end, because like Denny said, it's very important to get all that information up front. But we know that there's times where that doesn't happen or there's organizations that struggle with that. Then the responsibility comes to the, you know, the back end is who is seeing it. Unfortunately, by the time they see it, you know, it, it's late. And, you know, especially in the Medicaid world, you know, if a person lost Medicaid, maybe that patient doesn't even realize it that they lost Medicaid. And depending on what you're doing, you know, they might come in with a Medicaid card to show that they're eligible. Um, but, you know, as as we talk about it, you know, it's important that not just one person or that your billers are the ones watching for denials. You want a team to be meeting on a regular basis. So that would encompass reports from both your, you know, uh, your system and also some other technologies that you know are out there for working styles management, bring a team together that has the whole revenue cycle, your patient access, coding, your departments, your IT, your business office, and work through those reports as a team and take a look at what's causing your denials. And like I said, with the Medicaid piece, now with that being pulled back, you know, there's going to possibly be more opportunity to see denials increasing on the Medicaid side, which, you know, again, if you're not being proactive at it or not getting your patient uh, signed up for charity care or sliding fee scales, it's going to be hard for collections and it's just going to be hard for the organization. 
Yeah, I love what you said about the team approach. And it takes me back to, I was in a healthcare organization. I was in a federally qualified health center during the pandemic. And and certainly the, the use of what we called huddles from a clinical standpoint that we would have, you know, very brief uh, huddle calls uh, across across the organization to really help to guide our work, if you will. And I think that model is something which, you know, definitely as you're talking about the need for people to work across departments to really make sure that the information is being taken in and addressed if there are needs for any modifications in that schedulation process, for instance. And, you know, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, Denny, because you are so knowledgeable about electronic health record systems, I'm wondering whether there are ways by using an organization's EHR, whether they can help to inform their established patients who have Medicaid coverage about that unwinding process. There may be people that think, oh, gee, I still have Medicaid. So, is there any way that the EHR can be used to help to inform patients about these imminent changes? Yeah. So the good thing with the EHR technology is most every one of them has integration to and from the pairs, you know, the two seven X responses, right? So it, it can bring you a lot of information about their eligibility, uh, term dates and so forth. And again, the best practice to me has always been, Start to start financially clearing the patient ahead of time, as I mentioned sooner. And this is where the EHR can come in into really to be your the tool of you know real value, right? If you set up your EHR correctly, if your your EHR doesn't have the functionality, there's plenty of bolt-on companies that can assist. Um, and the value of it is well worth any cost because what you do is you create a workflow where as soon as the patient schedules, you start verifying their benefits. And at that point, you'll know if they're going to be eligible or not for their upcoming visit. And you use that response to then reach back to the patient and start either the charity care process, sliding fee process, and or enrolling them in an alternative plan, right? There's a lot of different ways you can reach out to a patient. And the other thing, you know, with these tools and technologies and workflow is you can be assured that if you follow the right workflow, that patient has coverage and that you're not going to have any issues on the back end, right, that they're registered correctly. Um, So to me, the EHR is absolutely... Um, ha- most everyone has this technology and workflow in it. And if not, like I said, it's worth investing in a bolt-on technology to supplement, uh, you know, any gaps in that, in that workflow and process. But those processes can be heavily automated so that your, your team is only looking at the exceptions. So if, if I register and I'm good, I'm green, you don't have to worry about me. The technology has told me that told you that I'm good to go. If you come back red, it tells you that no matter what you do on the back end, you're not going to pay. You're not going to get paid because the, the patient's registration is incorrect. And those are the ones you should focus all your effort on. So big advocate of setting up the workflows within your, your EHR. And to me, that is the only way you can officially and effectively create a best practice front end. Thanks. Thanks. And Roger, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about this in terms of ways that healthcare organizations can inform either their established patients or patients who uh, I would say are new and are shopping for a new primary care provider about the unwinding of Medicaid. Are there ways that you would recommend that an organization uh, can take action in addition to all of the EHR uh, opportunities that that Denny has offered us? 
Yeah, I think one of the areas, you know, depending on your organization is that, you know, within your EHR, you can run a report that lists all your Medicaid patients. So, you know, we're talking about established patients. So you could sit there and go through that report. And I mean, really, if you want to, you could do an eligibility check on all the people who are established patients. And if you identify people who have lost Medicaid, instead of waiting for them to come in, you can actually start, start reaching out to them now. And then that way you're going to, you know, you're going to be able to change, you know, what's in their demographics and they're going to be pretty happy that you're contacting them to walk them through the process. You know, so you're going to, you, know, you want staff to be educated on Medicaid and what this all means and the changes that are happening and be able to explain that to the people ahead of time. And I think that if you do that with your uh, established patients, I think you, you, you just build that relationship. You, know, you see that a lot in FQHCs where FQHCs are reaching out to their patients for a lot of different things. And I think this is one of those areas that'd be really critical to be doing that. You know, for new patients, when, if they're out there looking for a new provider, ways that you can sit, uh, sit there and let them know about uh, the changes in the emergency and Medicaid is going and using your website, using Facebook, using Twitter, any other means that you have to reach out to patients or to post things. And you can actually give education about the changes that are happening. And I would recommend that for anything that comes to changes within your organization that impacts patients, uh, because even your uh, established patients are going to look at your website. You know, sometimes they're going to make an appointment there. Sometimes they're looking to see what specialists there are. So, I mean, it's a great way to educate patients on the different changes. That's great, Roger. And I know uh, Robin was just asking um, previously kind of our final thoughts around when we come to the end of the pandemic now, you know, what are the things that we think that organizations should be looking at and doing? And, you know, there's been a lot of change, as we mentioned earlier, um, since the pandemic began, you know, and those changes are things that um, we learn to adapt quickly. We learn to respond to things and those skills we learned, I think we have to make sure we keep them sharp and continue to focus on, you know, the commercial in the the government regulations because the commercial payers are probably going to start, pulling back on a lot of different things that they allowed around telehealth um, and coverage type things. So you really want to make sure you're monitoring your commercial payers, monitoring Medicare, because I think, you know, we're in a new period, but I think rapid change and the kind of change we've seen in the past, it's here to stay. And it's, you know, it's going to be upon us as providers to stay on top of things. And we have to be proactive and not reactive if we really want to make sure that our revenue cycles are healthy. So, I guess those will be my my parting parting words. Like, just keep up the nimbleness and willingness to change, and be prepared. Follow, look out for the those needs to change, and be proactive. And I think those are going to be the the guiding um, strengths that, that help you and your organization succeed and remain strong in the in the future months. Uh, yeah, that's great information, Denny. And kind of to follow up with that, you know, it, it's really working as a team because, you know, as you said, you, you know, we need to stay ahead of things, but you can only do that when you're working together. Because if one department identifies something and they're not talking to anybody else, it's, you know, it's, it's just not going to work. Yep. So it's really important that you pull together a team, that you're working together as a team, that you're working together as a revenue cycle. That's the whole idea of the revenue cycle. It's We're all working together, you know, front end, middle, back end, it, it, it's all the same. So it's, you know, really the key piece is just keep working together and stay on top of it and just watch for changes. And when you identify changes, get it out to everybody in the organization to make sure that they're aware of it. I guess the, the moral of the story is the things that make a best practice revenue cycle before, during, and during the pandemic, 
they still hold today, right? And maybe even more, even more so because um, there's a lot more change and a lot more things we have to keep our eyes on. So I think that's been great. So thank you, Roger. And thank you again, Robin, for having us as part of your panel. Denny and Roger, thanks again for sharing your insights. We've reached the conclusion of our discussion about the impacts of the close of the COVID-19 public health emergency on revenue cycle operations and the so-called unwinding of the Medicaid continuous eligibility provision. We thank you for listening to this episode of Barry Dunn's Healthcare Insights Compliance Plus Ethics Equals Integrity podcast. We welcome our listeners' questions and feedback about the ideas we discussed in this episode, as well as suggestions for topics that we should consider developing for future episodes. Thanks again. 